Good morning, faith family. I say a lot of those gathered in Lakeville and in our sanctuary service invite all of you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, continuing this morning in the book of Hebrews, we've been in this book a really long time. You're not tired of Hebrews yet, are you? Good. I'm glad because we're still going to be in it for a little while. Uh, we've been in it ever since back, I think it was September we started this. And uh, we've been studying this about the idea of sometimes there's times in our Christian life when it's easy to quit. It's easy to give up. It's easy to throw in the towel and just say enough. Uh, And yet this book is written to encourage us in our faith, to encourage us to keep going. And I trust that it's done that. And and every week you're being challenged, no matter what's going on in your life, to keep pressing forward in faith. And uh, we started this year off talking uh, in Hebrews 11 about what faith is, why faith is important, and and just what this whole life of faith is all about. And so uh, this morning we come to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, which is really kind of a climactic point of the author's argument of what he's really driving all of this towards. And so let's look here at Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to ask in all of our locations, if you're able to please stand, just as a way of honoring the Word of God. We here at Berean believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, that this comes to us with God's very authority. Look at verse 1. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is God's Word. Pray uh, for me that I'd be faithful to the text and uh, pray with me. And let's ask God to come talk to us this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, this time to be together. Uh, Thank you that uh, you have given us your Word. Uh, It is alive. It's active. It uh, does transforming things. And so I'm asking you this morning to come again and teach us what it means to live by faith. Um, Help us understand more of what this life is all about. And I'm really just praying for a time of encouragement and um, edification for those here today uh, in your word. So come and meet us here by your spirit, we pray in Christ's name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. You are doing fine. Everything felt good. You were... Moving along at a good pace, uh, you didn't feel anything wrong, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everything shut down. Internally, you lost focus. Uh, you begin to hallucinate. You had feelings of despair. Externally, your, your legs stopped working. Your, your hands be, became wobbly. Your, your, your mind, your, your brain became dizzy. And every single muscle in your body hurt. In fact, it's not even an exaggeration to say that in that moment, you actually felt as though you were going to die. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I just gave you the symptoms of what's known as hitting the wall. Let me actually show you what it looks like. 
here's a guy who's running a race and everything looks fine. He's doing fine. And then what I want you to notice is how all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, everything just shuts down. His body just completely stops working. It's everything he can do just to keep going, to keep moving forward. But he eventually gets to the point where he literally can't move at all. It's as though he actually hit a wall. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, like literally in just a matter of moments, a matter of seconds, everything stops. Hitting the wall is something that all long-distance runners experience at some point. And the reason why this happens is very simple. Uh, Your body has what's called glycogen. It's a carbohydrate in your body that your body uses for energy, for fuel. In fact, it's the most readily available fuel source for your body. You have about 1,800 to 2,000 calories of glycogen. The average runner burns about 100 calories of that a mile. That's why somewhere around mile 18 or 19 or 20, or some of you might say, how about mile two, right? Your body's like, I'm done. I got nothing left because it's burned up all that glycogen. And because of that, the brain wants to shut down. It wants to go in preservation mode. That is why people that have hit the wall experience like internal issues. That is their thinking is off. It's negative. They feel feelings of despair and sadness. Externally, the body responds. It, it, it shuts down. It can't move. And, and, and all of this, you feel like, I'm never going to finish. I'm done. Faith family, have you ever hit the wall? I don't mean in a marathon. There's actually a lot of areas in life you can hit the wall. Some of you relationally have hit the wall. You just come to that point where you're like, I am finished. I'm done with this. Some of you I know because you're good Baptist, you've hit the wall after a big meal. You know that feeling like when you eat so much, you literally say, I can't eat anything else. It's like you hit a wall. Some of you have been there financially where you cannot pay the bills and file bankruptcy. Some of you are artists and writers and you've been there. You can't think of anything. Nothing creative is coming to you. It's like you've hit a wall. Some of you have been that way at work where you're like, I literally cannot work here anymore. If you would just stop and think about it, there are areas in your life where you kind of know that feeling of hitting a wall. Now, let me ask you something. Lakeville Sanctuary, everybody, everybody listen. And I hope you're willing to be real today. Have you ever hit the wall spiritually? You were going along in this race of faith and everything seemed to be fine and then it just unraveled. Your mind wasn't working right. It wasn't being renewed. You lost your affections. You lost your passion. Your faith felt weak. And honestly, though, you really didn't tell very many people. You didn't know if you were going to keep going or not. You weren't even sure you wanted to. If that's happened to you, 
If you're a Christian today and you know what it's like to spiritually hit the wall, listen to me, you're not alone. That is exactly what happened to these Hebrew Christians. These Hebrew Christians, the one to whom this letter, this sermon is given, they had spiritually hit the wall. Let me show you their symptoms. Uh, Look at verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that, in other words, consider Jesus so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That is, spiritual fatigue and discouragement. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been spiritually tired? Not the kind of tired that comes from trying to please God. We've talked about that the last few weeks. I'm talking about the being tired from the sufferings and the trials of life. Tired from the fact that the Christian life is spiritual warfare. And you're just weary. And you're discouraged. Look at the the symptoms that continue verse 12. Therefore, lift up your droopy hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. That is, you have symptoms of droopy hands. That is, you've lost all passion for the work. Weak knees. You have a non-existent prayer life. You feel consumed with fear. Your paths are not straight. That is, there's no sense of purpose or direction in your life. You're not walking in the word. You, like, you don't have to verbally respond, but have you been there? Where spiritually you hit the wall. Well, what I want to say to you this morning is you're not alone and that's not abnormal. Now, I don't want you to stay there. The author of Hebrews doesn't want them to stay there. But we have to say that, listen, sometimes on the road of faith, that's what happens. You remember we've been talking about this over the last several weeks. What does it mean to live by faith? You've got one path that some people take, and that's trying to please God through self-effort. And we're saying, no, 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 that's not the path. The right path is trusting God. And it's actually in trusting God that you please God. Now, faith family, if you've been here the last few weeks, help me out. How does this road work? You enter into situations in life God has spoken about that from his word. And what do you do? Say it loud. Like six people. I would like to welcome the 2,000 of you that are brand new this morning. Where have you been? Yeah, you enter into situations in life. God has spoken in his word and you trust him. That's how this road works. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. When you trust him. You please him. And we've been learning lessons about uh, what this road is all about and the proper expectations and just understanding what it's like to go down this road. We've looked at things like quickly. Sometimes when you go down the road of faith, you're going to want to do things your way, but you're going to have to. Now you're getting better, warming up. Okay. I know you're frozen. Number two, sometimes on the road of faith, you won't be popular because you're a Christian. Just like Enoch. And in those situations, what do you do? Very good. Number three, sometimes on the road of faith, God's going to ask you to do things that are weird, like have joy in suffering. That's weird. Kind of like build an ark. You want me to do what? And in those situations, what do you do? You trust God. Number four, sometimes on the road of faith, you're going to struggle to believe, just like Abraham. When's this going to happen? How is this going to happen? You want me to sacrifice what? I I don't understand. But yet you're going to what? Trust God. Hey, sometimes on the road of faith, you're going to be afraid. 
There's going to be fears in life. By the way, all of these are past sermons that you can catch up on, right? Sometimes you're going to be afraid, like Moses was afraid as Pharaoh's after him. And what do you do? You trust God. The faith in the Lord overcomes the fears of life. Last week, we looked at this one. Sometimes on the road of faith, the outcomes are going to seem unfair. Why is it that some people get grapes and some people get cucumbers? If you weren't here last week, that doesn't make sense, all right? Um, why is it that some people shut the mouths of lions and some people get eaten by them? When it comes to the distribution of blessings, it doesn't seem like God is always fair. And what do you do? You trust God. Are you starting to learn how this Christian life actually works? You trust him. You really trust him. And then this morning, here in chapter 12, sometimes on the road of faith, you're going to hit the wall. You're going to get weary. You're going to get fatigued. You're going to get tired. You're going to want to say, I'm done. But in those moments, if you're going to endure to the end, you've got to trust God. Let me remind you this morning of just a few biblical metaphors of what the Christian life is all about. In fact, I think this is helpful as we enter into our passage this morning. I'm not sure we think about these enough. The race metaphor is used a lot in Scripture. Paul in Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've already made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, listen, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's another metaphor, that of fighting. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. Paul says of himself in uh, 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith. The war metaphor Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, share in the sufferings as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Here's another metaphor, wrestling. Now in the South, we'd say wrestling, okay? That's how it's really pronounced, wrestling, okay? Ephesians 6, Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the cosmic powers, the present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil. Uh, In other words, this is what the Christian life is about. Did you think this was going to be easy? In fact, don't send me this email because I'm just going to delete it. It's why I don't really like the footprints poster that many Christians have. You, you've seen this. The, 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 the idea is this guy's walking along the beach and he gets to the end and he looks back and he only sees one set of footprints and he just thinks that the whole time that he's been alone. But then he comes to realize that it really, he wasn't alone. God was carrying him. Jesus was carrying him along the beach. That, that, that's the idea. Now, there's a sense in which that I understand that. It's true. I still think you ought to burn it because you need the heat. But anyways... Uh, <laughs> The issue I have with it is this. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the Christian life being a stroll along the beach. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is a war you got to battle. It's a fight you got to finish. It's a race you got to endure. And there are going to be times along the way you hit the wall. So how do you push through? How do you keep going? How do you endure to the end? This text tells us. 
Two things that you've got to do in this race of faith when you hit the wall like these Hebrew Christians have. Two things that are so simple, you're going to remember this. It's easy. You're going to lay aside and you're going to look ahead. Everybody say that with me, Lakeville Sanctuary. You're going to lay aside and you're going to look ahead. Now notice it in the text. First of all, lay aside, if you're going to endure to the end, lay aside is required for uh, this race. Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, you'll see it here in the text. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. I just ripped it off the Bible. Every weight and sin that clings so closely, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, these Hebrew Christians would have absolutely understood this, this idea of laying aside. In fact, the, the, the literal in the Greek is the idea of stripping down. And again, these Hebrew Christians would have known exactly what the author is talking about. I'm, uh, I hope you're ready for this. Because in the ancient Near East, most athletes would uh, compete in the nude. <laughs> if you've zoned out, you've zoned back in. What did he say in the nude? Yeah, like that's what happened in biblical times. They would literally strip down. Aren't you glad we don't do that today? Can I get an Amen. That's the loudest amen I'll get all day. But that's what athletes would do back then. And the reason why, I mean, it's pretty simple. They didn't want anything hindering their ability to compete, their ability to run. They didn't want anything that could trip them up or weigh them down. And so that's it. Now, now again, we don't go to that extreme today, but I bet you if you've watched like a basketball game, uh, what do they do after warmups? They strip off their warmups. It's the same idea. So there's some things you got to strip off, right? Some things you got to lay aside if you're going to run well. Here's the first thing. And I'm going to tell you, I struggle with this passage because the Greek is general. And so I, I, I fought this all week, like what is it actually saying? And so here's what I think it's saying. Number one, you got to lay aside comforts that compete with Christ. You got to lay aside comforts that compete with Christ. Now, my hope is that you're being good Bereans right now, some of you, and you're saying, where is he getting the idea of comfort? I don't see it anywhere in the passage. Uh, what I do see is weights. That doesn't sound like anything related to comfort. So explain yourself, pastor. Is that how some of you are thinking? I hope so. You're free to think that way. And I'm going to try to explain why I think this is in the text. Do you see that phrase, sins that so easily entangle us? Do you see it? Okay, this means yes. This means no. Do you see it? You see it. Okay, good. Now, when I've heard this passage taught, because it's very familiar, uh, or, or preached, it's almost always referred to as obvious sins. You've got a sin in your life. And it's tangling you up and it's, it's weighing you down. And so you got to get rid of pornography and drugs and alcohol and, and anger and that foul language. And, and it, it usually ends up being some kind of application like that. And that's true. So don't think that I'm advocating drugs and alcohol, okay? That's not what I'm saying. There's a sense in which that's true, but I don't think that's the author's point at all. Okay, we're with you. Explain yourself. Here's why. Here's reason number one, I think it's comforts. I'll give you two reasons. Number one is context. Listen, these Hebrew Christians are not tempted to go back to the honky-tonk bar, strip clubs, or casinos. 
they're tempted to go back to comfort. The mindset in the context is this. Forsake Christianity, go back to Judaism so that we won't have to suffer anymore. In other words, we want comfort instead of Christ. That's the context. That's what's tangling them up and weighing them down. There's a second reason why I think it's the idea of comforts that's weighing them down and tangling them up uh, is because the word therefore. Do you see it there in verse 1? Obviously, that's connecting chapter 11 with what we know is chapter 12. Of course, there wouldn't have been those chapter divisions when the author wrote this. So there's something that's just been said that's relating to what he's saying now. Is everybody with me? So let's go back to Hebrews 11 and find out how did he define sin there. Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 23. Hebrews 11, verse 24, rather. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There it is. Next verse. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Everybody right here at Lakeville Sanctuary, you listening? What were the fleeting pleasures of sin for Moses? Egyptian casinos! No. An easy life in Egypt. You can have all the status you want. You can have all the wealth you want. You can have life as you've always dreamed. But you, what you will not get is God. Moses, what your, your race, listen, is calling you away from the fleeting pleasures of sin. That is, it's calling you away from the comforts of this world to run the race I have marked out for you. So that's why I'm arguing that this is the comforts. It, it's, it, 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 um, it's things that people who live in suburbia substitute for Jesus. Give me my perfect life with my perfect family, with my perfect job, and all the while you don't see those things, while they may be good things, actually competing for your affections of Christ alone. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 13, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here is the point that I think the author's making to them and to us. The comforts of this life can make it hard to carry a cross. It doesn't mean they're bad things. And here's, here's what's so difficult preaching this, is this is going to look very different for different people. The comforts in my life will look different than the comforts in your life. But they're still there. They're things that weren't necessarily bad things. But listen, we've brought them into our race. They're good things but unnecessary things. We've brought them into the race and they've started to weigh us down and tangle us up. For some of you, it's that you you don't want to lose your status for everybody to know that you're a Christian. And so you want that comfort more than you want Christ. And it's tangled up your running. 
Some of you, you want that popularity with others. You want to be respected and, and you're willing to forsake running well for Jesus at school so that you can get that. Do you see? These are weights and entanglements that keep you from running what God has called you to run. Here's, here's the point. Look at it on the screen. Things not sinful can become sinful when they interfere with your ability to run the race God has for you. And, and listen, bro, brother, brother, I don't know what that is for you. I don't, I don't know. Like I wish the author would have just said, status, and I'd preach on status. So you know what I'm depending upon? I'm depending upon the Spirit of God in this moment to reveal to you in your heart, here's the comfort that's competing with Jesus. And it's hindering your running. And it's caused you to hit the wall because you brought in weights that were unnecessary. What is that in your life? Because if you really want to run well, you want to endure to the end, you're going to have to address it and lay it aside. Here's the second thing that I think is in this laying aside piece. That is lay aside distractions that divert attention from Christ. Lay aside distractions that divert attention from Christ. Once again, the weight is upon me to show you this from the text. I take this idea of distractions from what the author wants us to do. Let me show you in verse 2. Looking to Jesus. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to look to Jesus. Look at verse 3. Consider him. I want you to consider Christ. In other words, I want your focus as you're running this race to be on Jesus. Meaning, by implication, one of the things that can tangle you up and slow you down are distractions. And boy, we have a world full of distractions. And again, these aren't necessarily bad things, but, but for some of you, Netflix is hindering your race with Jesus. And I'm not downing Netflix. I'm just saying you're spending so much more time distracted on things that can be fine that's keeping your focus off Jesus. That is, you're spending no time in the Word or maybe five minutes in the Word, yet five hours watching reruns. If you're a runner in a race of faith, that ought to be a problem. Mm. And listen, I can say things like that now. After preaching here as long as I've preached here, most of you know that I don't come at this with a heart of legalism. This isn't a stop listening to music and watching movie. That's not my heart at all. This isn't some legalism. This is just saying, man, you're in a war. You're in a battle. You got to go. You got to fight. You got to run. And there are things along the way saying, me, 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 me. Put your attention over here, and you're going to hit the wall if you don't stay focused on Jesus. That's what he's saying. There are comforts along the way. There are distractions along the way that will weigh you down. Doesn't mean they're bad things, but they'll weigh you down, and they will entangle you. They'll trip you up. Let me give you an example of this in Acts chapter 6. I think this is helpful. The apostles were brought a good thing. Watch. 
Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. You've got widows that are not being fed. Uh, All in favor of those who think widows should be fed. Good. That's what true religion is, is caring for the orphan and the widow, right? James says that. This This is a real legitimate issue. And the 12 apostle summoned the number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Now, it'd be very easy to look at that and say, what a bunch of arrogant group of guys. Too good to wait tables. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is that's not the race God has marked out for me. They care about it. Do you know why I know they care about it? Because they make sure the job gets done. They make sure that the widows get fed. But you know what they do? They find people who God has actually called that to be their race and say, run. But what I can't do is run a race that God hasn't called me to run. I have to stay focused on what God has called me to do. I'm telling you, distractions don't have to be these big obvious sins. Sometimes distractions are, just take your eyes off of Jesus for a few moments. And before long, you hit the wall. That's how it works. Some of you, your spiritual life has no sense of direction. You're following all kinds of distractions. And to give you a visual, your Christian life looks a lot like this. In different countries. And uh, here we are at the start of the first event of the afternoon, the second semi-final of the 100 yards for people with no sense of direction. Uh, I'll just give you the competitors. Lane 1, Skolomowski of Poland. Lane 2, Zatopatik of France. Lane 3, Grobovich of the United States. Next to him, Drabble of Trinidad. Next to him, Fernandez of Spain. And in the outside lane, Borman of Brazil. (laughs) That's so true, man. That's like, that's how our life looks. Some of you, like, you just saw your calendar in visual form. <laughs> and again, man, it's not that these are bad things. You just, like this morning, if you've hit the wall and you want to endure the end, you got to lay aside. You got to lay aside. You got to strip off. And there are comforts in your life that are competing with your affections for Jesus. There are distractions in your life that are deterring your attention on Jesus, and you've got to address those if you're going to run well. Here's the second thing. I told you it's not just laying aside, but secondly, it's looking ahead. Enduring to the end requires laying aside and looking ahead. There are three things you need to look to. Just We'll hit these quickly. Three things to look to that we find here in Hebrews. Uh, First of all, uh, uh, verse number one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. So the first thing that you need to look to is look to the example of others. I mean, that's what Hebrews 11 has been about. It's to give you all these examples of people who were not perfect, but they persevered. It's to say that, look at Abraham. He, He struggled, you're struggling. He asked questions, you've asked questions. But do you know what he did? He got to the end of his race. He persevered, he endured, and you ought to be encouraged by that. That ought to strengthen your faith. Now, by the way, a little footnote. Uh, this will probably, after making fun of the, foot, the footprints poster and now this, I will be in big time trouble. No Christian bookstore will ever let me walk in, okay? Um, I don't think this verse 
teaches that the, um, uh, your family members who knew Jesus, uh, who have now passed on, are in heaven watching down on you. Now, that may be true. Okay, so, so don't hear me saying that's not true. I have my conviction on that issue. Uh, but whether it's true or whether it's not true, here's what I'm saying. This verse isn't teaching that. So don't proof text what you really want to be and pluck this verse out of context to make it happen. That's bad. Don't do that. So whether that's true or not, that's a different story. Here's what the author is actually saying. Listen, listen. Abraham doesn't watch over you. Abraham is a witness for you to run well. Get to the end. And if you will just take the time to look at these stories of men and women of faith, to look in church history of people that have run the race, it will encourage you to run yours. Are you with me? Look at this on the screen. Christian, you may, not, you may be new to the race, and in redemptive history you are very new to the race, but you're not the first to run it. You may be new to this race, but you're not the first one to run it. Listen, your situation may be different from others, but your struggle's not unique. The whole race of redemptive history has been filled with men and women who fought to the end. And you'd better look to them for encouragement. Secondly, is look to the encouragement of others. Now I'm shifting here from those that have gone before us to the people who are around us right now. Uh, Look at what the author said earlier in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let's get to the end. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You need one another. Here's an idea. Lakeville Sanctuary, are you with me? How about instead of shooting those that have fallen we minister to those that have fallen. How about instead of like, ha ha, I'm ahead of you. I'm three miles better. Look how much faster I am. What if you actually saw that as an opportunity to love with the love of Christ? So you've fallen. So you've hit the wall. I'm not letting that be your end. If I have to carry you to the finish line, so be it. Now get this. The author is saying to real Christians living in time and space who are suffering real sufferings, don't neglect one another. Look to one another for encouragement, Stir one another up to love and good works. Who is stirring you up? Who is is fanning the flames of passion for God in your life? Oh, if you think, if you think for a moment you can run this race alone, 
you will not finish. Because the race of faith is a community project. We run together. Amen? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're not going to get a gold or a silver or a bronze because you beat somebody else. Do you know what winning in the Christian race is? Finishing. So if we all cross the finish line at the same time, guess what? We all win together. Who is it in this church in your life that you know has hit the wall? And what are you doing to serve them and minister to them and encourage them? And by the way, if you've hit the wall, don't be so arrogant as to not let others in to encourage you and to build you up and edify your faith. Thirdly, and this is most important, more than looking to the examples of others or the encouragement of others, look to the endurance of Jesus. Look to the endurance of Jesus. Look at verse 3. We're almost done. Consider him... That is, consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Here's why. Here's why you got to think about him, look to him, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, if you're going to endure for Christ, you have to constantly be reminded of his endurance for you. Somebody just say, would you say that again, Pastor? Okay, I will, all right? If you're going to endure for Christ, you have to constantly remind yourself that he endured for you. Do you think about that often? How often do you preach the gospel to yourself every day? I wonder this morning if, if before your feet ever hit the floor in the morning that you think about the gospel. You think about, okay, my feet are about to enter this race today. And there's going to be a lot of things in this race today that might distract me or be comforts that compete. And so what I want to remember before I even start the race today is that Jesus shamed the shame of the cross. That there was a moment in the garden where he said, is there another way? Do I have to drink the cup? And then he said this, not my will, but yours. I will, for the sake of joy, endure the cross for them. I wonder if you actually took five minutes in the morning to deeply think on that, how it would change your day. That's what the author's saying. The reason why you've hit the wall is you've stopped looking at Jesus. Consider his endurance. Notice this on the screen. Faltering in the race is a result of losing your focus on Jesus. Let me give you just a few things. I'm out of time and don't care. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I, that was insensitive. Let me give you just a few things quickly. Okay, rapid fire, jot them down, put your seatbelt on. Here we go, number one. Hey, faith family, you got to run your race you got to run your race. The author here shifts from all these examples in Hebrews 11 to these Hebrew Christians in chapter 12. What's he saying? Come on. Abraham can't run this for you. Your pastor can't run this for you. Sarah can't run this for you. Your mama can't run this for you. Your friends can't run this for you. Everybody right here, you have to run 
your race. Now, we're running this together, and we're with each other, but you still got to run your race. It's the race that God has marked out for you. Secondly, make sure that you're running the right race. Make sure that you're running the right race. If you're here today and you're running a race called religion, stop it. Because the right race is a relationship with Jesus Christ where you live your life trusting him with your life. That's the only race. That's the right race. So make sure this morning you're on the right course, the right path. Because you don't want to get to the end of this and realize you ran the wrong thing. It's the race of faith. The race of faith. Thirdly, oh man, I wish I had two hours. You will finish your race, Christian. If you're here and you've hit the wall and you don't think you're going to finish, get, listen to this. If you're a Christian, you will finish. The, the text here says Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginning of the end. And guess what? He that began a good work in you is going to finish it. Jesus starts what he finishes. And he will get you to the end. It will not be without your effort and your striving. But at the same time, you will get to the end and you will not say, what an awesome runner I am. You will say, what an awesome savior he is. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. You are going to get up and you're going to get to the end. Notice this, when Jesus said it is finished, it guaranteed that you will finish. Be encouraged today if you've hit the wall. You will get to the finish line. Lastly, you can't finish a race you never start. You can't finish a race you never start. And there are some of you the last few weeks you've been hearing us talk about faith, but you have never taken that first step of faith that looks like this. I turn from my sin. I turn from living my own way. I turn from living my own life. You ready? Watch, watch. And I trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. Would you start the race today? Would you take that first step of faith and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I guarantee you there's a whole lot of runners, some in Lakeville, Sanctuary, that would rejoice to have someone else join us in this race of faith. Not only would we celebrate heaven would celebrate. I understand. I understand that feeling of hitting the wall and feeling like I just want to give up. That spiritual sense of I'm done. And if you're here today and you feel that way, the text is saying to you, lay aside, but more importantly, look ahead. Look to Jesus, because do you remember how in his race, he hit the wall as well? Don't you remember when his hands became weak? When his feet could hardly move? 
when he felt a sense of total despair. And yet he trusted his life to the Father. And three days later, he bust through the wall. And because he finished his race, you will finish yours. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, encourage us today in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is a race. It's not easy. The, The road of faith, the race of faith is full of things that are difficult and struggles, and yet um, it's so worth it because along the way and at the end, we get Jesus. And along the way, there are comforts that love to compete with him. There are distractions that try to get our attention off of him. And I pray that this morning, by your spirit, you would give us clarity on what those things are. Help us lay aside today. And help us look ahead. Yes, to those that have gone before us, to those that are around us right now. But more importantly, just to take some time and meditate on the cross. To think about an empty tomb And to know what that guarantees and promises for us today. So come meet us here. Encourage our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.